Welcome to You Belong. I'm your host, author D. Michelle, encouraging you to remove that label, that title, that position, or even that social media status and focus on your kingdom status by knowing you belong to God first. And when God is first, that's when you can fit in even when you don't because you know you belong. Welcome to today's episode of You Belong. I'm your host, author D. Michelle, and I'm so excited. I know I say this almost every time, but for real, y'all, I'm really excited to bring to the show today Mr. Mike Kelly. Um, it's been a decade or so since I've seen him in person, <laughs> but i um, excited to bring this young man to you. Mike Kelly is the founder of You Lead Well. He is also the leadership development consultant for Target Corporation. And for the past, I don't know, 12 years plus probably, he's been a thought leader in the financial services and retail industry, serving clients with his transformational consulting and thought leadership in HR and organizational development. Welcome to the show, Mike Kelly. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be a part of this. Yeah, I'm excited. I couldn't end this chapter on racially awakening the workplace without bringing you on the show and just kind of share your thoughts and your journey. So I'm going to start you off first with, um, tell me about a time, Mike, no, but tell me <laughs> what was your most moment where you felt like, whoa, I don't belong. And it could be either in the HR space or even before that, but just tell me what you've gone through, Black man, uh, Mike Kelly, yeah. that has made you felt like sometimes or you've had that moment where, hey, I, I don't know if I belonged and how you overcame that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, part of my journey, I think something that, I'm, uh, that excites me in, in my career journey is the transition that I made from um, mostly financial services and, and treasury management sales to human resources. And the thing that kind of um, motivated me to make that move was seeing the areas of opportunity in hiring talent and retaining talent uh, from a salesperson's perspective and wanting to make a difference more so on the human resources side. And so shortly after I made the transition from sales to human resources about five to six years ago, um, I realized that there is a culture in human resources, and it's not just—it's um, not just in one specific industry, but it's more of how can we uh, get talent in the door that fits the culture versus adding to the culture. And I realized that before we even brought anyone in the door, more so because of my own experience. And so being a black male, being someone who has a master's degree, has years of experience, it was almost as if, you know, companies were saying, oh, we're glad to have you in the door, but we don't really know what to do now that you're here. We don't really know how to use your experience. We don't really know how to use your education for our benefit. You have a quote unquote seat at the table, but we're not really giving you a voice to speak. Wow. And so it was it was at that moment where I realized not only am I going to strategically use my voice to speak at these tables, but I'm also going to use my influence in recruiting and leadership to bring a more diverse perspective so that others may have the same opportunity. Oh, that's great. That's great. So out of that, is that where your company came alongside or tell us a little bit about that? 
Well, so my company kind of came along um, in my years of sales. I, I loved the development of people side of that, that work. And so understanding how to um, motivate others to be their best self, that's something that's always been a passion of mine. And so I was, I was thinking of ways to make a difference. Um, I realized that I wasn't able to completely do that in my corporate roles. And so I decided to create this business, You Lead Well, um, leadership coaching and consulting to serve clients that I may not be able to um, interact with in my day-to-day nine-to-five job. And so I've had the business. It's been in the works for probably three years or so. And um, for the first year before I went through the process of incorporating and um, you know doing all of the legal things I was kind of helping folks out as they would reach out via LinkedIn or through word of mouth uh, but lead well has actually been live for it'll be a year in uh, September so really excited to be able to serve my clients in all industries and in different areas of leadership um, and helping them to be better leaders and, and influence change in whatever area they're in in their companies that's great uh, I love what you're doing there. Want to talk to you offline a little bit more about that, um, especially as it relates to I'm, I'm sure you being in Minneapolis in the wake of George Floyd. Um, mm-hmm. How did that impact the way you lead at work and how did you kind of switch up your strategy a little bit there? That's a great question. So for some of it, um, I'd say it, it was almost like I had to define what my race, what my ethnicity, what that meant to me. Because when you're in a situation where someone is murdered in that regard, 10 minutes from where you live, it hits quite differently. Because you think about, hey, that could have been me. Any other day, that could have been me. And so before I was able to do anything at work, I literally had to grieve. I had to go through the process of not only did this man lose his life, he lost his life down the street and it could have been me. And so as I showed up to work, I realized the way that I had been showing up for the past several years, I don't know that I was 100% authentic because I don't think that that was welcomed in the yeah. space. And I don't think that's just, I don't, I don't think that's specific to a particular company or industry, but it seems as though if you're black or if you're a black male that you have to go along to get along or you have to you know say things a certain way or show up a certain way and for the first time ever that i can remember i was truly able to be myself and that was able to make a difference in the lives of the people that i was leading and working with Um, and so if there were times that i didn't want to join meetings or needed to reschedule because i just didn't have the mental capacity to join in on conversations and add value, I did that. If I needed to take a day and, and step back from work and just grieve or you know clear my head mentally or just do something else, take a walk, I did that. And if people reached out saying, hey, we wanna know how we can help or what we can do or tell me about your experience and I wasn't feeling it, I was more empowered than I've ever been to share that. And so I think it, it really was an awakening, um, not just for my coworkers and people and even my clients and some of their companies, but it was an awakening for me to realize that I haven't been showing up as authentically as I said I have been. And this, this, this 
event in our lives and in, in, in the culture of America has really been an awakening for how can I be more authentic and make a difference being my full authentic self. So it's not just showing up and being authentic, but it's making a difference while you're being your authentic self. I like what you're saying there, because I think we've been doing this series, Racially Awakening the Workplace, and people a lot of times feel put off because they think we're talking about, per se, the quote-unquote majority culture. But even as you shared, that's what was happening in me as well. It was awakening even in ourselves who have for years felt comfortable. Well, let me just blend in or let me just go with this. I don't need to necessarily talk this. They already know I'm black. I don't need it. But this kind of brought this kind of extra like mandate and the thing I keep quoting, if people have been listening to this here, I keep saying for such a time as this, that, yeah. you know, kind of like that <laughs> Esther thing that you've been placed in these environments in this position at this time for such a time as this. So I ask, what are you doing with this such a time as this? You talked about there was first the grieving process, taking the time, and then share, share a little bit more with the audience about what you've been led to do. Yeah, so I've been on this this journey of, Um, really taking stock of my own awareness. And so awareness of one, how am I showing up? How am I making a difference? How authentic am I being? And so as I've been on that journey to define those things for myself, I'm able to have conversations with others to influence them to do the same. And what I'm seeing is that in my spheres of influence or my communities, both in work with my clients and in my own personal life, it's almost like a paradigm shift because people are starting to see that what we thought was true isn't necessarily what was what has been true and folks are able to use their voices in a way that really uh, initiates change more clearly than it has ever done in years past and so you know as i said i'm i'm passionate about helping others to become their best self. But I know in order to help others do that, I need to make sure that I'm first starting with me. And so the awareness is, is something that I'm really trying to tackle. And it's a, it's a journey. It's, it's something that I'm continually having to do and holding myself accountable. If something doesn't feel right, let me be honest with myself and aware of that so that I can either address it and pivot or do whatever is necessary in order to be um, um, more in tune with what's going on with me so that I can produce um, something that I'm, I'm actually proud of, whether it's work, whether it's being more present in conversations, whether it's doing things that I truly enjoy. Um, and so it's really been focusing on my awareness and realizing that I am on a journey and holding myself accountable to continuously growing in, in my area of awareness. That helps me to do that with others as well. Thanks for sharing that. It sounds a lot like uh, what we've been talking about in Destiny Consulting, um, in my consulting practice. We've been leading monthly webinars called Courageous Conversations. And you kind of mentioned the steps that we teach in that, that before you get to step three, which is to speak up, you first have to seek up. (laughs) Seek up. (laughs) Seek up, know you. And then number two, study up. What's the outcome, expect the outcome for what you want to say and how this can have impact and then speak up. So I I love what you share that kind of encapsulated those three steps of what we talk about as a courageous conversation. That I have something else I want to share too, that I've been um, 
that I've also been focusing on in addition to awareness. So there's this concept, and I, I don't know if, if the listeners are familiar with the circle of concern and the circle of influence. Okay. And so the circle of concern is generally the factors that we don't have any control over. So, so if it rains outside or if the price of gas fluctuates or you know, if there's a war in the Middle East, it's, it's, there are things that we know about where we don't have direct control over. And then there's the circle of influence, which we have, which are factors that we can control. So your words or your actions or behaviors. And so I've really tried to delineate the, you know, the, the two and know that if it's something that is a circle in my circle of concern, it's great to be aware of those things, but me getting upset and frustrated over something I don't have control over, how productive am I being with mm. exerting energy towards that thing? Versus I can control my words, I can control how I respond. I often tell my clients, you can't always control what happens to you, but you can control your response. And so understanding how I'm showing up, how I'm using my circle of influence, and responding to the things I have control over really helps to make sure that you're not overexerting energy in areas and spaces that are not producing the benefit that you're looking for. Mm. I'm going to take that and add that to the part of step two. I, I'm just so um, step two, when you're studying up, figuring out what's in the circle of influence versus what's in the circle of concern. So, Mike, you actually have a platform where you share more of your thought leadership around not just circle influence or I believe you call it motivational moment. Tell us about that. Yeah, I've also been doing motivational moments. And so those are just tidbits that um, allow maybe a minute or try to do between one to three minutes that I'll post weekly or biweekly that are just things for others to consider um, in order to be more present in their spaces and more effective at what they're doing. And so we've covered the importance of mental health um, as well as the importance and benefits of persistence. And I am absolutely a supporter of all things mental health. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of leaders in particular do not spend as much time on their own mental health as they should. And it ends up showing up in how they are leading. Yep. And so uh, one of the areas that I focus on with LeadWell is um, a few mental health exercises or assessments that allow leaders to be more aware of where they are mentally and how they can be more present and more effective in their roles by taking care of their own mental health. Okay. Awesome. Now, as you think about, um, going back to earlier, talking about when you first arrived in a certain role and how they kind of knew you were there but didn't know what to do. Um, with, mm -hmm. Have you feel like you've been given that voice now? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And I, I think where I am now, I think the company has been, I remember my first day, uh, they were saying, you know, you can show up and be your authentic self. And from previous experiences, although I remember doing great work and building great relationships, I don't know that I was empowered to be my, my authentic self, mm -hmm. but I can truly say um, with the company where I am now and just in life in general, I am able to show up in spaces where I may not have been invited in years past and truly make a difference using my own voice in the way that I choose to. And it's been empowering me for me to help others be able to do the same. And so I'm really excited to be a leadership development consultant in my nine to five role, 
um, because that's something that it's one of the many things that I can help leaders with and uh, showing up more effectively and authentically in their teams. And it's okay. different, I think, coming from a black male, because mm -hmm. often you don't see a lot of black men in my profession. Uh, but I'm really grateful that I'm, I'm able to uh, make a difference in this space. Yes, I, I was looking high and low to have some on the show for this series. And I found <laughs> one other gentleman in the Southwest uh, region of the country. And it was interesting. He called you guys unicorns. <laughs> that yeah, <black>. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have to connect you all at some point. But yeah, that's great. That's great. And I'm glad that, to hear that you feel like, you know, it's changed. You have the voice at the table. Um, there is one question I have that can be kind of sensitive, so you can choose to not answer if you don't want. Um, but it was something one of my counterparts brought to my attention that sometimes, even though you might have the voice, hearing it through a person of a different color may be accepted differently than if it was through mm -hmm. a person of color's voice. Do you still yeah. see that's true? I do. And I don't, I, I see it in many different uh, spaces. So not mm -hmm. just corporate world. Yeah. Um, and, but one thing that I do differently now than I have done in the past is that I'm all about open communication. And if I feel that, and if it's a legitimate feeling, mm -hmm. I have literally taken time to practice how to initiate those types of conversations with folks to let them know where I stand or maybe I didn't feel heard or just to reiterate what it was that I was sharing. And, you know, what I found, I've, I've found a lot of different responses. So some folks are like, oh, I didn't even know. So it goes back to that awareness piece. Right. I, I didn't even know that I did that. And I truly mm -hmm. believe for some, they don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, for others, you know, it's that culture fit versus culture ad. And so if it mm -hmm. fits the culture that I'm comfortable with, I hear you. If it's a culture ad and it takes me outside of my comfort zone, it's not as easy for me to hear. And so that goes back to awareness as well, making folks aware of that. But I think it's all about how you position it and how you follow up when you feel as though your voice is not being heard as your true authentic self. And so it's nothing for me to say, hey, can I have five minutes with you? I just want to go over this idea that I, I remember sharing and didn't really hear a whole lot of feedback on until it was presented by someone else. What are your thoughts on that? Mm. And then it, it kind of, you know, it, 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 you don't have to, it doesn't have to be in a confrontational way. Cause Correct. I think a lot of folks think when you're doing that, you're, you're fishing for an argument and that's not the case. You don't have to approach it that way. Um, but I have been empowered over the last couple of years, especially after I got my master's degree, and just having those uh, those those conversations from a non-confrontational way, but um, it happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it, it happens. happens, and I love the way you're sharing. It. It's not confrontational, and it's still you being authentic and true to yourself. I think over the years before, I felt like I had the voice I have now, um, but there were times mm -hmm. where I used that circle of influence. Going back to that, and I would feed through the circle of influence the support I needed for when I spoke up, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I was, I believe I was being authentic, at least at the time, but I was doing something. I know some cultures, they call it, you know, having allies, making sure by the mm -hmm. time I came to the table, I had preceded the idea enough. There was going to be my voice there. That's right. That's right. So that was That's another right. approach that I would do. 
Um, well, I just thank you for coming on today. And But if there's any last thoughts you want to share, how to fit in when you don't, you belong, it's open to you for any closing words and how people can reach out to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I, one, just want to thank you again for the opportunity to share on your platform. Um, for those who are listening and you're struggling with fitting in or feeling as though your voice isn't being heard, or you're, you're just curious of how do I get to that next step or next level of influence in my company, um, I would truly encourage you to take a, take a look at where you are on your journey. What are your goals? What is it that you feel like you're not achieving or want to achieve? Um, and I would love to have conversations with anyone who's interested. Um, you can reach me on LinkedIn, uh, Mike Kelly, uh, Mike Kelly Jr. Um, again, D. Michelle shared I work for Target and I'm in Atlanta, Georgia now. You can also reach me um, on Instagram at The Collected Creative. Again, The Collected Creative or you, Y-O-U, lead well. And then you can also check out my website, www.youleadwell.com. That's all we have time for on today's episode of You Belong. As always, I'm your host, author D. Michelle, inviting you to reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram at author D. Michelle, and that's Michelle with two L's. Or you can reach out to me on Instagram and Twitter at Know You Belong. And that's K-N-O-W-Y-O-U-B-E-L-O-N-G. And remember, you belong.